0: My mom used to own a secondhand children's clothing store in Mount Pleasant. And I could just walk in anytime and walk straight to the back and find her. And no one thought anything of it, especially her. She was glad to see me. But no one else knew that. It was interesting because I would walk by people and walk through the, the desk or walk into the back door or whatever and not really do anything other than just do it. And they think, I'm sure they're thinking, who does he think he is? What they didn't realize is that I was a son of the lady that owned that store. With God, it's the same way. Often, we don't take advantage of the great privilege that we have of knowing our God. And so today, we want to talk about that on our audio study guide. My name is Trey Rhodes and I'm the Connections Pastor here at Northwood Baptist Church and as always we appreciate you coming along beside us and learning the Word of God together and, and learning how to teach it and understand it and then repeat it out to those that God brings our way. It's certainly a privilege and a joy to be a part of that. And so uh, I just want to encourage you and thank you for all that you do uh, just taking the time to listen. And also this uh, is still not too late If you're getting this, and even if it's Sunday morning that you're listening to this, come on to our um, uh, Life Connection Group refresher that we're having. We're doing it right after the 11 a.m. service, and we would love to have you if you would join us. uh, We're going to have lunch for you, and then once we get started, we'll sort of do a working lunch and then on into the training and refreshing of what it means to be a Life Connection Group leader. And let me remind you also that... If you have a testimony that you'd like to share, uh, come ready because I'm going to open it up to testimonies as to what God's doing, how God has used you, how God has used your Life Connection group over this last uh, years because we have been such a long time since we've all gotten together. So I hope that you'll be thinking about that and come this Sunday. Uh, That'll be August the 21st. All right, everybody. Well, if you're listening, we appreciate you coming along beside us, as I said, and as a Life Connection Group leader or as a, um, a co-leader or anyone that listens to this to find out more information about what we're studying, uh, you're welcome here. And we can also put you on a, a list that can get you the materials that will help you study through this. And if you want to use it with your small group, wherever you are, in the United States, around the world, in this state or in, this own, in our own city or in our church, then feel free to write me, trey, T-R-E-Y, at northwoodbaptist.com. And once you uh, send that to me, just say, hey, listen, I'd like to be on that list so I can get the materials and teach as well. So feel free to do that. We'd love to have you along with us. All right, well, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 84, Psalm chapter 84. And we're talking about why life with God is an amazing privilege. So go ahead and get your Bibles and turn there and get ready to really study the Word of God. then we're going to first do a short message. So that you kind of have a remembrance of what the sermon was about and then we're going to jump into the questions. Uh, I always like to, if I can, go with the opening illustration because everybody remembers all of a sudden what it's about. And so if you remember the story, the lady drank a little bit too much and she got on a golf cart and then she ended up going out on I-95 and obviously she was on the wrong road. Well. Jesus reminded us that broad is the way that leads to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to life. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're not on the wrong road. You're on the road to life. So that alone is an amazing privilege that the God of all creation calls you uh, his son or his daughter. The God of all creation walks with you in every season of life. The God of all creation is always present in your life and promises to never leave you or to never forsake you. So we often forget that amazing privilege to be God's people. Um, And I think that that's what the psalmist is getting at here as he also recognizes that probably Israel had forgotten that it was an amazing privilege to be God's people. So God rescued them from Egypt. He gave them the promised land. He made them into the greatest nation on earth. Yet the people forgot that privilege. And what we as God's people need to make sure that doesn't happen to us in this age is that we don't, forget the amazing privilege that it is to know and love and serve God. So there's, uh, Pastor Tommy talks about three reasons why life with God is an amazing privilege. First of all, you get to be the temple. Now that sounds interesting. Um, I know that uh, because of the Bible, we have often said the body is the temple, which is actually a quote from the New Testament. Uh, And we're in book three theme, how can God abandon his king and his people? Now what has happened here is we're in the exile, and this is a dark time. Uh, Israel is, is away from everything that they knew, away from their land, away from their temple, away from the things that they knew well. And this is all about uh, this time that Israel is in exile and they're in a place called Babylon. So in Psalm 78, we have Israel forgetting God's goodness. 79, the nations then invade. Psalm 80, the, nation, the temple is desecrated and uh, uh, rest- a cry goes out to restore us. And then in Psalm 83... Lord God, deal with our enemies. And then we get to Psalm 84. And what we do is the sons of Korah start to talk about remembering the good old days. Uh, they were singers, gatekeepers in the temple. If you can imagine, the temple was pretty much where they did just about everything they did. Uh, they were in the table of God's presence, etc. Um, many think that this psalm was written while in exile and this son of Korah remembers what it was like to be at the temple. And that's why he says, how lovely is your dwelling place. Uh, that's where the sons of Korah were. So what initially happened is that when the temple was being built, thousands of craftsmen worked. 90 feet. The temple was 90 feet long, 30 feet wide, 45 feet high. We learn that in First Kings chapter 5. It had 45,000 pounds of gold. 45,000 pounds of gold. It had bronze pillars, it had bronze altar, it had gold lampstands, gold furnishings, and it had bronze furnishings. It was a It was a glorious place. And really, the sons of Korah recognized that it was a privilege for them to serve there. So uh, when Solomon dedicated the temple, they are the ones that saw the fire descend from heaven. They are the ones that saw the glory of God fill the temple. And even the priests were not able to enter because God's glory filled the temple. So Psalm 84 says, I just want to be there. I want to be back in the temple. I want to be back as a part of that. And then he talks about, I faint with longing. It sounds similar to Psalm 42, as a man, you know, pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Just this great longing for what God had there. And the, the, he, they even remember the birds that made their nests outside in the courtyard of the temple. And the, the birds were safe in God's house. Verse 4 tells us, what joy for those who can live in your house. That's where the sons of Korah got to live every day. Of uh, the sons of Levi, they did not inherit the land, but privilege but they had the privilege of daily serving in the temple. Uh, if it was written in exile, it's, it's, they have a longing to be back in the glorious house of God. And the temple would one well day be rebuilt and destroyed again then by Rome. It doesn't stand. And the reason is, is because Jesus is the temple. We know that the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ in bodily form. Uh, and Christ is not a building. He is, he is a person. So the Old Testament temple points to the one who is the fullness of God in whom God dwells himself. Uh, even Solomon in, in 1 Kings 8, 27, he, he said that the building couldn't contain God. Uh, the, the one who is the fullness of God dwells in you. We know that from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and it talks about us being the temple of God. You see, the privilege is, is that you and I get to be the temple. You need to reiterate that to your Life Connection Group, that they get to be the temple. It's not that we go to worship. We walk in worship because the temple is us. Jesus lives in us. It's, uh, as Christians, we are not allowed to. We might do it, but really as a Christian, you can't compartmentalize your faith because that ongoing devotion to God just consumes us. And, you know, you can't stay where you are, uh, where you were, and go and and be all that God wants you to be. Um, You don't need these Old Testament rites anymore to purify yourself. You are purified in Jesus Christ. You are holy. You are the one who is always on holy ground. As one great uh, Bible teacher once said, every bush is a burning bush and all ground is holy ground. We're glad to be in the house of God. We are the house of God. So what kind of dwelling place am I for the Spirit of God? That's the question that we all need to ask. What? How am I? Am I allowing God to make his home in me? Or am I resisting the work of the Spirit? Spirit of God, you're welcomed in my heart. Or Spirit of God, please stay away. I don't need you around. You don't get to enjoy God's, just get to enjoy God's glory. You get to declare God's glory. So don't ever forget how, what God has called you to do. So the first privilege is this. You get to be the temple. Second privilege is, you get to embrace the journey. Um, sometimes the journey is the joy, isn't it? Uh, we just went to Israel, and um, on the trip, I got to meet a lot of people and talk to a lot of people. It's a little rough as far as being on that airplane for 12 hours, but I, there were a lot of people in the, on the trip that I didn't know, and I got to know, they sat, I sat by them and talked to them and got to know them before we even got to Israel. And there was parts of that journey that were really uh, good to be a part of. So part of going to Israel was the journey there. Well, Pastor Tommy talks about um, Sanford Stadium, and he and his dad going uh, to watch Georgia play and what a joy that was, and just the fun of going there and coming back. So what happens now is the psalmist thinks about what took place at the temple. It was festivals. Now. Not everyone lived in Jerusalem, and not everyone visited Jerusalem every day. So there were three pilgrimage festivals each year, and they were from all over Israel. People made the long, arduous journey by foot. They walked there. Now, I can tell you, I've been there. Pastor Tommy's been there. It's hot. It's it's very, you think of a desert, it's very similar to that. Uh, lots of rocks everywhere, and it took a long time. It was, it was really hard to walk. And in verse 5, we hear these words, happy are those whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. So to make that pilgrimage to the presence of God in the temple was a big deal. And so what they needed is they needed God's strength that, so that they would be able to make the journey. They need God's protection so they'd be able to make the journey. Every single pilgrim knew where they were going and every pilgrim knew the journey and they knew that it would be difficult. They were focused but they were exhausted. Now before you say, well, I, I'm just so exhausted all the time and, and I just don't know that I can serve the Lord anymore because I'm exhausted. But exhaustion is part of serving God. You see, as we focus on that long journey, we reflect on our, that relationship with God and to give them time to think about the significance of going to the temple and offering the sacrifice, what they were for, go over to the scripture. and Then when they finished though, they were exhausted. Day after day of walking through this, these hills And they were depleted. And so then when they got there, they had to rely on God's strength to help them as they passed through the Valley of Baca. You remember Baca? It's it's a balsam tree. It's like sap that oozes, uh, like tears. It's weeping. But the Valley of Weeping provides and makes a valley of refreshing spring water. So in the Christian life, we live a life of focus. And because we serve God, we also live a life of exhaustion. Um, We're doing God's work. We're accomplishing God's will. We're building God's kingdom. Like those Israelites, we're on that journey. And it's not a journey to the temple because remember, we are the temple. Instead, it's a journey to our eternal home which is so much greater than that earthly temple. And truly, it's a joy to be on the journey. We're saved now. God's kingdom has come to this earth in Christ now. We're waiting on the return of Christ where Jesus calls us home to be with him forever in his presence. So the journey is designed to deplete you along the way hard times reveal your heart uh, who and what are you really trusting where do you place your hope uh, you know it, it's it's an opportunity for the this journey that we're on Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 it's it's uh, this idea of putting aside those weights that so easily beset us the sins or even good things that slow us down well you you're able to ask what's hindering this journey and um, That's why some of us never take up a journey or sit on the side, or some of us just sit on the sidelines. Uh, We are hard uh, pressed to allow God to do his work of sanctification on us. Where has God brought you? Think about how God has changed you. How does God want to change you? What sins in your life and my life need to go? What needs to be put on? Obviously, we need to put on the fruit of the Spirit. God's strength carries you through the journey and it's designed to focus you. So we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So how do we embrace the journey? Just let God be God and never forget where God has taken you. All right, third privilege, you get to enjoy real joy. Uh, it talks in verse 9 about the anointed one. The psalmist says we need a deliverer. Psalm 2 tells us about that, that he has been installed on Zion. The hope that God would deliver His people through a future Messiah that would bring them out of exile and to that restored temple. Jesus is the one who is bringing you and me and those in your life connection group, bringing them out of exile and into a restored temple. If you go back to Revelation 21, where we see the consummation of everything, there's a better day. Now the Psalmist knows God will redeem His people by bringing about a future Messiah, and He says that better is one day in your course your presence is good because your presence is life. Send your king to bring me back into your presence. So Asaph looks around and says, life isn't fair, but not this son of Korah. Away from Jerusalem, he said, just one day in your courts as a doorkeeper is better than all the riches of the wicked. I'd rather live in a tent and guard the door than have a mansion. Why? Because the joy in knowing the God who is going to work on behalf of his people. The psalmist, Maybe away from Jerusalem, but he's filled with joy when he thinks about what God has accomplished. Happy is the person who trusts in what God is going to do. God depleting you from your sinful lifestyle, but not draining you of your joy. What he does, he fills your cup. He's given you that joy. So let's be honest about what drains you. The, the pursuit of stuff drains you. The pursuit of success drains you. Broken relationships drain you. Complaining drains you. Selfishness and jealousy and gossip and idolatry. And let's be honest about what fills us. Time with the Lord, learning the truth of God's word, worshiping with God's people, sharing the gospel, living generously, extending grace and forgiveness, seeing those relationships restored. problem is most of us spend our time and resources on what drains us rather than fills us. But the beauty of life with God is you can choose to be filled with what brings real joy. So the challenge is to repent of spending way too much time on pursuing what drains you and ask God to help you pursue what fills you. And this psalm is a call from God to enjoy life with Him. And the only way that you can really do that is through that relationship with the Son, Jesus Christ the Messiah. The one, Jesus, who came to lead us out of exile by paying the price for our sins. Turn to Him today and find the privilege of life with God. Why life with God is an amazing privilege. Let's talk about the discussion questions. Uh, First, our honesty time. you might want to use number one because it talks a little bit about worship. Maybe some people have really enjoyed worship much more since then. Um, but uh, number two is a good thing that they can usually talk about because they're go- pretty much everybody can remember time they, they had a privilege. Uh, what do you feel like are the greatest privileges that you have in this life? I mean, if folks, if you're American, you're a privileged person. There's tons of privileges, all right? Uh, so maybe uh, you want to get into the passage a little bit then. Why is walking with God an amazing privilege? Why do you think we take the privilege for granted? Uh, and you can, of course, use other uh, those questions or use other questions on your own that can help you get through that. Let's examine the text. Uh, now, we have Psalm versus, uh, Psalms chapter 1 and 2, so both of those Psalms serve as an introduction to the book of Psalms. So what themes in Psalm 1 and 2 do you see repeated in Psalm 84? Well, we talked a little bit about the idea of the, the one, the anointed one coming, the anointed one that was in Psalm chapter 2. Uh, talked also about the blessing of, of, of following God in Psalm chapter 1. Uh, but anyway, go back and look and see if you can pull some of those out and, and help you understand what those do because you do see repeated themes in the book of Psalms. Number two, the psal- this psalm may have been written during the exile. Uh, what was the exile? That was the time... When Israel was removed from their country and either uh, the northern kingdom uh, intermarried with Assyria and were, uh, many of them were either killed or, like I said, intermarried. And then if, uh, the, if you were in the southern kingdom, then Babylon came and destroyed the temple and pulled the people out and brought them into captivity into Babylon. So that was the exile. Uh, if this Psalm was written during that exile, how does that shape your understanding of the Psalm? So if we read about these things about the privilege and not being able to be there in the temple anymore, not being able to be with the things that you're familiar with, not being able to do the things that you believe that God created you to do as the sons of Korah, the sons of Levi, all those wonderful privileges, they're gone because they're, they don't have availability of any of those things anymore. They're not who they were now that they're in exile. They're not, they don't see the things like the birds making their safe houses in, in the temple. They don't. They're not able to see this gorgeous, beautiful forty-seven thousand uh, pounds of gold that was in the temple. They don't get to see the temple or or look at it in any way anymore. Those those things are over. Um, now in Psalm chapter eighty-four, verses one through four, um, you might uh, I would recommend that you read those and then fi- ask this question: What was the temple? The temple was the place where they met with God. It was built by Solomon. And in the building of it, they, uh, God descended on that place. His presence filled that temple. The fire consumed the, the offerings. It was a real place where God, uh, God's presence met earth. So why was the temple so significant for the nation of Israel? Well, this is where they came to meet God. This is where they were told that when they would obey the sacrifices and do what they were supposed to do, that the the high priest could forgive their sin, uh, or actually would not forgive their sin, but say that their sins had been forgiven. Let's say it that way. So now we have, that is gone, and now Jesus has changed everything, and it is significant that Jesus refers to himself as the temple because... Uh, about 40 years after Jesus on earth in A.D. 70, the temple is destroyed by the Romans and Jesus is now going to be and was and is the temple. So the destruction of the temple was just simply a way of saying that I am now the temple. I am now where God dwells. Uh, I I am the one in whom all the, the, the Godhead bodily dwells in me. Uh, You might want to go back and read John 2, verses 19 to 22 and help you understand that. Now, why does Paul refer to believers as the temple of God? Well, we are the temple of God because now, because Jesus lives in us through the Holy Spirit of God, guess what? We are now the temple of God. Wherever we go, he goes. Uh, Number four, and by the way, that, that little song that we used to sing in kindergarten, Oh, be careful little feet where you go. That's because Jesus goes with us wherever we go. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see, because Jesus sees what we see. Number four, notice that three times the psalmist calls worshipers of God happy or blessed, and that's in verses 4, 5, and 12. So according to this psalm, when is a person happy or blessed? Uh, Obviously, it's when they were meeting with God. Uh, He talks about what joy is for those who can live in your house. This, This idea of of being in the presence of God. That's where joy is. Um, It also goes on to talk about the idea of pilgrimage and the journey that's going and and relying on the Lord's strength to make that journey. And uh, so uh, then verse 12, of course, um, if you jump down to that scripture, it says, Happy is the person who trusts in what God is going to do. You see, God is about to change the life of those who are open to his work in him. He's not draining your joy, he's gonna give you joy. God is about to give you great joy. So what needs to take place? Uh, Let's see here, okay, I got ahead of myself, I think. Um, Yeah, here we go, that is right. What needs to take place in your walk with the Lord so that you can experience the happiness or blessedness that God gives? There might be some things you need to add. You need to remember we talked about the things that drain you versus the things that fill you. What do you need to what do you need to remove this draining and what do you need to um, add to yourself so that you can be filled? Um, we want to experience that happiness and blessedness that God gives. All right, uh, read Psalm 84 verses five through 7. Why would an ancient Israelite make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem? Well, uh, they wanted to uh, go see what, what God had there for them. Uh, they would make this pilgrimage because they wanted to experience God. Um, now, as we talked about, that pilgrimage can be long and hard and exhausting and, and can deplete you, but it was there that you learned to rely on God. And once you got there, you were tired, but you were able to overcome because of what God was doing in you. Um, so that was why the pilgrim would be difficult. It was a long way, it was desert, it was hot, uh, it was uh, rocky. It was, a, it was a tough, long journey. So what would help them endure as they made the pilgrimage to Jerusalem? Well, as I said, knowing that God was going to focus them. Uh, during that time they could, they might be exhausted, but they took time then to reflect on that relationship with God. Uh, they, they took time to think about the significance of going to the temple. They took time to to talk about what the offering of the sacrifices meant. And uh, all those things helped them when they got there to know that they were truly on a pilgrimage. So how do these verses help you as you consider the journey of faith that you're taking? So uh, when you think about what God is doing in you and sometimes you do what God wants you to do and even though you're doing it, you're exhausted, you're tired, uh, what's going on with that? how how do when you, if you are exhausted, then are you going to trust God to give you the strength so that you can pass through that valley of Baca? Remember the sap oozing, weeping, so that you can make uh, be refreshed in that spring water of, of Jesus Christ. All right, read Psalm eighty four eight through nine. How do these verses point us to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, Psalm uh, we 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 have these verses of course that talks we need a Talks about a deliverer. We use Psalm chapter 2 in particular. And Jesus, of course, being our deliverer, the one who would one day come. Read Psalm eighty-four ten through 12. Why would the psalmist say that a day in God's courts are better than a thousand elsewhere? Well, obviously, they would rather be, and remember we talked about that also in the sermon, that they would rather be in a little tent somewhere at the doorkeeper, just one day doing that. That's how great it was to be in the presence of God. Uh, and, and so to be in those courts would be better than any, anywhere else because you're in the presence of God. Now you might want to take this and compare it to Psalm chapter 73 and uh, work, work some of those details out. But if you're going to do that, then make sure that you do it before you get into the class and uh, just take a little bit extra time to do that. So why is the psalmist's attitude in this psalm different than the psalmist's attitude in 73? If you remember, Psalm 73 is the section where there's a lot of complaining about why do the evil prosper. And the evil that prospers does not allow to go into the presence of God. Alright, so, you know, there's a huge comparison and contrast. And If you want to go back and do that, um, that's fine, but they long for what they had, whereas in Psalm 73 they they're kind of complaining because of the evil uh, that they find in this world. And uh, he actually says, though, at the end, God's presence, this is in verse 28 of Psalm 73, but as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell you about all you do. So they recognize that even though it looks like everything's going, going wrong for them, and they were complaining about the, the wicked making it uh, making all this great stuff happen to them, or having this, these great things happen to them, it's still recognized that there is a presence of God. All right, let's apply the truth. Uh, number one, what does it mean that we are the temple of God? Obviously, that is where God dwells in us. We already talked about that. How should knowing that God has called us to be his temple affect the way we live today? Wherever we go, God goes. Whatever we see, God sees. Whatever we handle, God handles. And do we need to line up with the God who lives inside of us. Uh, number two, you don't just go to worship, you walk in worship. Pastor Tommy talked about that the first part of the message. So what does it mean to walk in worship? That's who we are. Everywhere we go, we're worshiping God. We're doing the things that bring glory to God. We are, we are able to share what God is doing in our lives because he is living in us and flowing through us. That's real worship um, on a daily basis. Walk is daily. Number three, why is the journey of faith so difficult? I think it's so difficult because we, number one, think it's going to be easy. And because we think it's going to be easy, we don't recognize that it is, it is the difficulty of the journey that makes it best for us. It makes it best for us. That's why the journey that they took was a big deal. When they journeyed, they were able to think about God, think about His ways, think about what He did for them. What can you do to endure the difficulties by faith? Well, um, when we we do what God wants us to do and we allow God to work through us in the journey, we get to rely on Him. We we might be exhausted and the journey might be long, but we get to rely on Him that He is the one to provide refreshing in the spring water. And because of that, we can focus on Him and have real focus in Him. Uh, number four what do you give your time excuse me what do you give your time to that drains you okay we talked about those things and let me mention them again uh, pursuit of stuff success broken relationships complaining selfishness jealousy gossip idolatry so those things you might want to go back to the message and use those again so what are those things that you need to give up so when you walk with God, though, that fills you. It's, it's like the opposite. One drains you, one fills you. And what is it? Time with the Lord, learning the truth of the Word of God, worshiping with God's people, sharing the gospel, living generously, extending grace, extending forgiveness, seeing relationships restored. All those things will fill us. So make sure that you are doing something like that this week. So as you respond to the truth, that's the question you can, you can ask them. How can you, what's one thing you can do this week to fill yourself with things God this week? There they are right there. What is the one thing that you need to do? All right, respond to the truth. What do you think God is calling you to do? Some might have a call of God in their lives to deal with this stuff. And then how will Psalm 84 inform the way you pray this week? All right, everybody, just a reminder about the uh, refresher course on Life Connection Group this Sunday right after church, we hope to see you there. Uh, after the 11 o'clock service, we'll have lunch provided for you and we'll have you at home for your afternoon nap. All right guys, God bless you, have a great week and let me lift you up to the Lord. Father, thank you so much for the blessing of all good things. Continue to use us. Uh, Lord as we teach the Word of God as we care for your people, Lord as we help encourage fellowship between other believers. Lord, uh, just continue to make us knitted together as your people for your glory and for your honor. We love you, Jesus. Give us a great week. And if there's somebody there that doesn't know Jesus, the Savior and Lord of their life, may today be the day when they surrender to him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless, guys.